Good morning. It's so good to have you with us this morning. Would you stand with us as we uh, begin singing this morning? Strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. seated. Looks like it's me. <laughs> so uh, one reason we're a little confused is uh, Adam, Pastor Adam, is uh, just hadn't been feeling well this week. And uh, Kelly probably will tell you uh, a little bit more, Kelly O'Rear. Um, but uh, he's uh, just asked Kelly if he would speak this morning. So uh, thank, thankful for Kelly and uh, pinch hitting. Um, so obviously I have no uh, prayer requests, no announcements or anything like that. So uh, we're kind of kind of scrambling. Um, I'm thankful that you're here. We want to welcome you. Visitors, sorry about that. It's usually not this unorganized, I promise. Um, but we're thankful that you're with us. Um, just thankful for the Lord working in our lives this week. I know we've had uh, some that have been sick. We have uh, some family members that... Um, 
if the Lord doesn't intervene, they're going to be with the Lord soon. And so I know some of you are bearing that burden. We've had some loss in our church family. I know some of you are bearing that burden and we want to bear that with you as the scripture tells us. We want to pray and encourage you. So uh, as we open our service this morning, I want to do that. I want to pray and ask the Lord if he would encourage our hearts and direct us as we um, look into scripture this morning. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that um, although seemed a little confused this morning, you are not the author of confusion and you love us and you care for us deeply. So we thank you that even though we struggle sometimes in our thoughts and ways, we know that your ways are perfect. And so we want to lean into that very hard this morning and know that you are in control and that you uh, have a purpose and a plan, a good, good plan for us. And that means this morning as well. I pray for Kelly as he brings your word to us this morning. I know he's going to be speaking from Proverbs chapter one and just help us to have the fear of the Lord, but not to fear others and things and circumstances, but to know that you love and guide us through each and every moment of every day. God, as we sing, I pray that it would be just uh, a sweet aroma to you as uh, we do that this morning. May the, the things that we say and sing and do, may it just lift your name above all because that's what we want to do this morning. We want to worship with you. We ask that you would just meet with us in a special way as we do that. So Lord, thank you for what you're gonna do in our hearts and lives. And uh, we give you praise. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me again? We're gonna continue worshiping in song this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Sung by flaming tongues above Praise his name, I'm fixed upon it Name of God's redeeming love And none was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me and I'll never be alone. And hold to grace, how great a debtor did he Like a fetter, find my wandering heart to be. Long to build on, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts Christ's assured and steady anchor. 
Christ the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn in the suffering in the sorrow when my sinking hopes are few i will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be removed oh, christ the sure and steady anchor while the tempest rages on when temptation claims the battle and it seems the night has won deeper still then goes the anchor though i justly stand accused i will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be Christ the sure and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief hopeless somehow oh my soul now lift your eyes to Calvary this my palace of assurance see his love forever prove I will hold fast to the anchor, it shall never be removed. O oh, Christ, the sure and steady anchor, as we face the wave of death, when these trials give way to glory, and we draw our final breath we will cross that great horizon clouds behind and life secured and the calm will be the better for the storms that we endure christ the shore of our salvation ever faithful To the anchor, it shall never be removed. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the land and all who gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the lamb your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above all 
and dominions, all powers and position. Your name stands above them all, and the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries, Holy, you are lifted high, Holy, Holy forever. If you've been forgiven, and if you've been redeemed, sing the song forever to the Lamb. If you walk in freedom, and if you bear His name, sing the song forever to the Lamb. We'll sing the song forever and amen, and the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries, Holy, you are lifted high. the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all jesus your name is the highest your name is the greatest name stands above them all Your name stands above them all, and the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries, Holy, you are lifted high, Holy, Holy. church good to be with you good to see you my goodness we got a lot of visitors i know we've got some uh family in of some some of our church members visiting so let me add uh my welcome i am the discipleship pastor here at grace baptist and it is a privilege to be able to open the word 
for you this morning. I, yesterday afternoon, I was out with my boys at the levee, at the Brainerd levee, and we were doing some bird watching. And I don't know what duck I saw that made me think of Adam. But anyway, um, so I, I thought, I wonder how he's doing, because I haven't heard he's not been in the office, you know, and, and none of us like to be sick, but he really doesn't like to be sick. So um, I just texted him and I was like, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And do you need me to pinch hit for you? And um, he's like, I'm really having trouble getting my thoughts together for tomorrow. So if you could do that, that would be a help. And I said, you rest. So um, anyway, here we go. Um, Why don't you open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. So um, I, I, I'm going to break all the rules of homiletics. I don't have a really pretty introduction to this message or this captivating story that I can share with you. Um, I'd really like to, to just get into this. Um, and to speak on this subject is to, to face some things in my own soul. I think that we will find that this, um, as we look at this passage and as we think about this particular biblical concept that we're gonna that we're gonna wrestle with this morning uh, I think it, it causes us to to face some things within ourselves uh, within our hearts and it calls us to look for refuge and for rescue um, so I don't have an in, uh, eloquent introduction this message is not polished it's grimy just like the book of the Bible that we're gonna take it from um, but, but what a neat place for us to, to bring our focus in this morning and to anticipate the week ahead that the Lord has for us. Um, so our key verse, our key word, our key thought comes to us from the book of Proverbs. Now, if any of us in this room have read the book of Proverbs, um, what we know is that it's not a book about church life. So you don't find a lot in the book of Proverbs about worship or about um, praise or theology. It's grimy everyday stuff that the author of Proverbs brings out for us. The flow of the book is unpredictable, just like life, right? Um, you, you can't put it in a nice, neat little outline. So if you do your Bible studies and you're into, like Proverbs just, just not, doesn't fit that way, and nor does life kind of fit that way. Um, let's read, I want to read to you the first seven verses of Proverbs. So Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, and then we'll dive in. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray one more time. Just prepare our hearts. Lord, it is so easy for us to kind of come together and, and, and even for me, probably guilty this morning of, of I can sing worship songs to you, Lord, and you know my mind can be somewhere else because I know the words and it's just easy to go. I, I pray for all of us in, in a sweet way, Lord, that you would uh, bring us into a fresh focus of you, 
Help us to see you. God, show us your glory. And then please let that help us to adjust and adjust our view of life and circumstances and what we're walking through right now. God, what we need is you and we need your spirit to move among us to give us an understanding that we cannot gain by just a talk or a study or a message. Spirit of God, we invite you to move. Jesus, exalt yourself and your gospel in this time we have together. And we pray this in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the key verse of the whole book of Proverbs is this verse seven, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That little phrase, the fear of the Lord, watch this. Take your Bibles, look at chapter two, verse five. So this book is just kind of shot through with this theme. Chapter two, verse five. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Look at chapter three, verse seven. Some of you just have to look across the page. Um, Be not wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Look at chapter 9, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So I can't read that phrase without, like if any of you have read A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he launches from that that verse, that, that section. Chapter 14, verse 27. Love to hear the pages, the Bible's turning. I love to hear you flipping through your phone, um, some of you. Just don't want anybody to feel left out this morning. Um, um, I just can't hear that as much. Uh, 1427, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. And then finally, chapter 15, verse 33. So turn the page there. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So so go back to chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. So here's the thing. If we miss this, chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we miss this, you've missed the whole point. Everything else is out of alignment unless we catch and understand what the author of Proverbs is telling us right here. So he uses the word knowledge, wisdom, and instruction in verse 7. So these are different nuances of Hebrew words, but they cluster around some key ideas, okay? So these ideas, knowledge, wisdom, instruction, they cluster around some key ideas. It's daily living, because that's Proverbs, right? It's daily living that one glorifies God. So if if I'm going to understand knowledge and wisdom and instruction, I need to understand that that's going to point me to having God as the center. That's going to point me to finding Him as my treasure, Him as my delight, that His will over my will, His word over my word. So it's a life that glorifies God. Knowledge, wisdom, and instruction lead to a life that maximizes joy. It's doing life according to design, according to the way that God designed it to work. And thirdly, Knowledge, wisdom, and instruction, this is a life that we're talking about here that blesses relationships. So glorifies God, maximizes joy, because we're living according to God's design, and it blesses relationships. It enables me to be to others what they need by pointing them to glorifying God, living according to His design, and blessing relationships. 
Now, the author also tells us the second half of verse 7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools reject the message of God's word. Fools reject um, glorifying God. Fools reject the knowledge that's presented here to us. So, if I reject the message in God's design, I substitute that for a different kind of existence. So I put myself at the center of the universe. And if God exists in my mind, that means that he exists to make much of me and of my happiness. A fool despises this. And what it means is that a fool's choices lead to temporal joy, but ultimately shame, guilt, and destruction. God's designs lead to life. The, the, God's design of life leads to fullness of joy. But to reject that, I'm working against my joy and it leads me toward destruction. And what it means is for the fool in relationships, the fool is a taker, not a giver. The fool needs others to make them feel whole. It, it's the idea of I use people for my own selfish ends. So that's, that's what's there for the life of a fool. And what we need is the fear of the Lord that leads to knowledge and wisdom and instruction. So as a whole, the world, think about this, as a whole, the world we live in has pushed aside, would you agree, has pushed aside God's word, God's truth, God's presence. It has rejected the knowledge and the wisdom and the instruction that he's talking about here, right? So, So think about the world that we live in, having rejected God's word, having rejected God himself, are are we more free? Is the world that we live in, is it less anxious? Is it more unified and compassionate and civil and generous? Is humanity flourishing? Are we more or are we less mentally healthy and stable? Are we less depressed and more fulfilled? We need this message. The world needs this message. So knowledge and wisdom and instruction lead me toward enjoying making much of him. It leads me toward flourishing and joy in life lived according to his design. It leads to to being a blessing in relationships. And so you say, okay, Kelly, well, I want that life of knowledge and wisdom and instruction that Paul talks about. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? But it all must start and it must have its origins in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's the launch place. That's where it all has to begin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and instruction. The designer, creator God dictates how life is to work. And the fear of the Lord is to be at the very center. So again, think about Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, why is this verse uncomfortable for us to wrestle with? Because it uses that little four-letter word, fear. And, and as I was thinking through this, and I've spent some time here, and I've shared a lot of these things in, in some different environments, but as I was thinking through this verse, why the word fear? Like, the, the sovereign God in authoring his word and in prompting um, the author of Proverbs to write, prompting Solomon to write, 
why not the knowledge of the Lord is the beginning of, of life? Why not the love of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Or the worship of the Lord? Or even the obedience of the Lord? Or the trust of the Lord? Well, I'll tell you this. If, if, if the author could have picked a Hebrew word that would pull together and weave together worship and reverence and, and obedience and trust and love, it would be that word fear. Okay? But here's the thing. But why the word fear? And this landed on me pretty heavy. Because the creator of human life knows something about ourselves that we can be blind to. And that is that we are often defined by our fears. In this room, there are a litany of fears. Most of them are hidden and suppressed, but some of them are obvious. Fear is a revealer. Let's think about that biblically. What you fear reveals at the core of who you are, what you revere, what you treasure, what you view as most significant, what you tremble at, what you esteem or perceive as as all-pervasive or above all. Fear defines and controls. And in our lives, it can expose whether our view of God is faulty and broken or healthy. Now, before I go any farther, let's clarify. There is a healthy kind of fear. There's a kind of fear that, that doesn't control, but it protects and it steers us to safety. We get that, okay? That's caution. That's discernment. That's not what I'm talking about right now. What we're seeking to diagnose as we dive into this, we're seeking to diagnose unhealthy fears that crowd out true worship and the experience of Christ, that crowd out our experience of, of all that God intended for us through the gospel that distort his glory, that distort his love, that distort the meaning of his holiness, of his sovereignty. We're looking at the kind of fear that distorts all of that, that twists all of that. And and here's where we're driving in all of this. The fear of the Lord is not binding or crippling, but freeing, unlike any other fear. When we come before when we stand in awe, when we tremble with gladness and breathless wonder at him, when we surrender, then we enter into a recovery from all of these other unhealthy fears at the core of where they begin. Now, the fear of the Lord doesn't take away these other fears, it doesn't, it doesn't remove them permanently. It reforms and it refines and it reframes them. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Now, don't forget these words, knowledge and wisdom and instruction, because that's going to come back for us in just a little bit. All right, so we're going to drive through that, but and, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to pull it all together here in just a little bit, but we got to talk about fear. <clears throat> What fears rule us? Now, this is certainly true in the life of an unbeliever, but it is certainly a battle for the believer as well. What fears, um, what are fears that can rule the human heart? So in this room, there's a litany of fears, and, and this is young and old, okay? So in no particular order, I just want to list out some fears for us, okay? Some of you are already afraid of this list, right? 
right, so the fear, uh, this is random, okay? <clears throat> so I get to be random to the glory of God this morning. Here we go. So the fear of being alone, the fear of being alone for life, the fear of being the only one, whether it's the only one that stands up for what is right or the only one who struggles with a secret sin, the fear of being alone, the fear of being in a crowd, <clears throat> the fear of failure, and here's the thing, when we fear failure, the result is we get consumed with areas of our life that don't truly matter in light of eternity. The fear of losing a relationship, the fear of being noticed, of standing out in a crowd. I still, <laughs> I still bear scars of 10th grade or 11th grade chemistry class because for once, the teacher asked a question I knew, I, I'm, I'm gonna, like I am not, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Okay, but I know this answer. And so he asked the question, I used to call us scholars. He asked his questions and I, my hand shot up and I burst out the answer and he went. And the class started laughing, scarred. I still bear that scar. <laughs> fear of being noticed, the fear of being laughed at when given a sincere answer, fear of conflict fear of rejection, fear of disappointing important people in your life, the fear of being fully known, the fear of being found out or exposed. For men, uh, I, I read a book years ago that said that the biggest fear of a man, a man's greatest fear is facing a situation where he has to admit, I don't know what to do. The f <clears throat> wives are chuckling. The, the fear of losing control the fear of turning out like a parent or like your parents. The fear of men, the fear of women, the fear of church, the fear of losing, the fear of the unknown, the fear of not measuring up to an older sibling or the fear of becoming like an older sibling. The fear of not fitting in, the fear of being wrong, the fear of weakness, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional. <clears throat> the fear of what you think others are thinking about you. The fear of financial ruin. The fear of facing reality. <clears throat> Sorry. The fear that in the end, your life won't matter. The fear of doing, saying the wrong thing. The fear of pain. Fear for your own safety. The fear of change or the fear that your life will never change. <clears throat> the fear of risk and stepping out. The fear of being called out in a crowd. The fear of, of not following the crowd, uh, uh, so, so uh, of being looking different, or the fear of following the crowd and being just like everybody else. The fear of missing out. The fear of a wrong choice that will lead to lifelong consequences. The fear that you don't have what it takes. The fear of being myself, because I'm not sure who I'm supposed to please. Now, those are general big picture fears, and, and there's way more than that. That just came out of a, a brainstorming session. But here's the thing, we also, and particularly us in this room, we have spiritualized fears. Again, young and old in this room. The fear of missing God's will, whether it has to do with a career or spouse or calling or the right job in the right place in the right city. 
the fear of losing your influence, um, a, a fear that's rooted in a lack of assurance of salvation, the fear of being honest about a sin struggle and seeking help, likely because you don't want to disappoint a godly leader or someone that has watched you grow up, the fear of losing God's favor, the wondering and doubting and the fear, could God really love want, save, delight in me. The fear of frustrating God to the point of being put on a shelf or, or even left to yourself. Fear that is rooted in guilt and shame. Here's some quick facts about fear. Unhealthy fear is contagious. It spreads. And all God's people said, yes. What I'm doing right now is trying to read my writing, and I can't read my writing, so I'm going to have to move on. <clears throat> we, we cluster around shared fears. We cluster in our relationships sometimes around shared fears and perceived saviors from that anxiety. Often news and advertisement and politics play on people's fears really to make money or get power. May upset some people in the room, but I'm not afraid. Okay. <clears throat> fear clouds decision-making. Another fact about fears is you can't truly love, enjoy, serve people when you are desperate for their approval and you fear whether you have it or not. You'll use people under the guise of love, but when you are consumed with your fear of what you think people are thinking or are yearning for the approval of people and missing out on, here's how the, the fear of the Lord governs that, you, you can't really love, enjoy people. And all of these unhealthy fears that we've talked about, so I see a list on my page, that's why I'm doing this. <clears throat> all of these fears ultimately leave self on the throne of our lives, and it is left to self to figure out the solution. Is anybody with me? You following me? So how does Proverbs and how does our little verse here speak into this? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What we need is a fear alignment. A fear alignment. Something is out of line. What if I told you that there was a kind of fear that is life-giving, peace-flooding, joy-releasing, purpose-giving, hope-anchoring, courage-infusing, a fear that awakens identity, that creates wholeness, that brings healing to the deepest parts of you, a fear that is relationship-enhancing, awe-inspiring, worship-fueling, and is the essence of your created design. It's the fear that you were made to be governed by, as is every human being who walks in and out of your life. And it's a fear that has been broken by sin and disconnect and even efforts to redesign the one to whom it is owed. <clears throat> when we come before, when we stand in awe, when we tremble with gladness and breathless wonder, when our heart of hearts is captivated by who he is, and when we surrender, that's where recovery from all of these other fears begins. 
It doesn't take away the other fears. Again, it reforms, it redefines, it reframes them. Let me illustrate it this way. Now pick on Fred because he's on the front row. Now, I don't think that there's any debate in this room that Fred Holcomb is larger than my thumb. I was afraid you would laugh at me. Um, So Fred is much larger than my thumb, right? But here's the thing. If I pull my, close my eyes, this is just part of it. If I pull my thumb in close enough, I can block out Fred and Tina and Luke and actually Neil Loveridge. I can block out everybody on this side of the room. Have they changed size? No. But if I get my thumb in my eye, my thumb looks bigger than, actually I can block out the whole half of this room. That hasn't resized anybody in this room. It's just a matter of perspective. And so what the fear of the Lord does is it helps us to get our thumb out of our eyes. He wants to lift up our vision to see his glory. Every one of the fears that we've named typically define our sin struggles. And if we're trying to deal with those sins without getting to the root of what's going on in our heart, And what we're reverencing or perhaps reverencing above Christ, if all we're doing is trying to deal with the symptoms, it's just like mowing weeds. It's just like mowing weeds. Unless you pull it up by the root, unless you allow the Spirit of God to begin to pull it up by the root, it's just going to keep growing back over and over and over again. The fear of the Lord invites the Spirit to go below the surface to reveal the idols that compete with our worship and our delight in the Creator. All these fears that we've been talking about leave us feeling more alone to find the pathway of a solution. The fear of the Lord points us to the gospel. Knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. I told you, we're going there. The fear of the Lord points us to the gospel and it leaves you feeling blanketed and secure in love and acceptance and in his delight in you. So that when you face and encounter the things that you formerly normally feared most, they don't have to destroy us. The spirit of God can actually use them to strengthen us. And it can lead you to a deeper, sweeter surrender to the fear, the reverence, the awe, the captivating worship that you and I were made for. And it introduces us to true community with others that are seeking to discover their created purpose as well. I got to share this because it's just so um, my wife, Amy, is is going through some some training and a, a study and she's reading some books and then she's doing some stuff online. And the other night in the session that she watched that she was a part of, they talked about what what how it would change us if we viewed one another as fellow pilgrims and we're all on a journey home. And so our responsibility and our calling is, is to come alongside one another and help one another on our journey home. What a picture. And so even as we're talking about these things, for us to be able to come alongside and say, you are not alone, you are not the only one, I get that, or I've never struggled with that, but I do struggle with that. Have you, to bring that into the light so that together we can help one another on our journey home. So, Why is God's word so vital? 
because it helps me to see correctly and align my fear and my heart and my worship with Him. Why read books like Knowing God or even I mentioned um, uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy. Why read books like that? Because it helps to focus us, it helps us to be fixated with, and it helps us to see with fresh eyes the God we were made to know. Why be a part of different studies and classes and hear God's word taught? Because we want to be captivated with Christ. So the real question right now in this moment is not what have I said, but what is God saying for you? There's a part of me that wishes that I could see every heart and just know, what are you thinking? What are you processing right now? What are you facing? What are you feeling? And I wish I could impress on every heart here, mine included, God's bigness. Breathe that one in. Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. Majesty. Splendor. Power. Love. Where has your fear or your worship or mine been misdirected? Because when, when I need a fear alignment, when my fears are out of alignment and I'm fearing things over here rather than experiencing the fear of the Lord, the life-giving fear of the Lord, it leads me to seek salvation outside of knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. Are you trying to operate all of life asleep? I mean, maybe somebody is in here this morning, you're trying to operate all of life asleep to the existence, the holiness, the grace, the love of your maker. And so maybe you're feeling a pull of invitation right now. Do you feel the pull within you to look away from yourself and the things that are binding you and to look up, to look in the eyes of a Savior who has nail-pierced hands, who looks at you with a scarred head from the crown of thorns that was pressed upon him and invites you in? Remember I said that thing about knowledge and instruction and wisdom and how that was all going to come together for us? All right, here we go. Ready? So this is, this, I love, this is my favorite part. So I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, love, love, love this. Colossians chapter 2, everybody's going to get there before I do because I can't turn the page. Here we go. So Paul is writing to this church and listen to his words to this church and see if there's anything in here that brings a crescendo and a resolution to our time this morning. Paul says, I want you to know How great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Here we go. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is who? Christ. Look at verse 3. In Him are hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. There's the crescendo. There, the fear, the biggest fear you have to face in this moment is surrendering your comfortable, safe, trying to control fear to the fear that you were made for because it takes you out of the driver's seat to look away from your sufficiency to His. Jesus not only, listen, Jesus not only bore the wrath 
that we deserve for our sins so that we might be forgiven and reconciled to the Lord, that we, that we need that more than anything. But at the cross, he faced down every fear that has dogged you. Here's the reality. The unhealthy fears that we've talked about this morning and that have followed us and hounded us and they follow us through the hallways of life, they are not going to go away with a single prayer or the flip of a switch. They must be resisted. They must be ignored. They must be smothered. They must be strangled. They must be killed. Don't use nice, pretty language for these kind of things that are such a threat to our delight in God. They must be replaced with the higher, holier, life-giving, chain-breaking fear of the Lord. We got to get our thumb out of our eye. The healer is in the room and he is bigger. Let's pray. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In this moment, mentally, I want you to just draw a circle around yourself. I know this is hard. Processing this. The battles are real. Now listen, if this isn't your deal or your struggle, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid of not having fear. Okay. Is there anyone here who has put off trusting Christ as King and Savior for fear of a crowd or fear of not understanding everything about Jesus faced down darkness at the cross, death, hell, and the devil. And through the gospel, you come to the king for forgiveness and to be all in, not just relief, but he offers forgiveness. He offers a healing and a wholeness and a reconciliation to your creator that no other religion and that no religion can bring. If we're serious this morning and if we're sincere about desiring to face these things down, then we, we, we have to do it in community. We need the voice of other people around us. And I'll bet you're going to find that there are folks who will love you and pray. Unhealthy fears have ruled us. They follow us and they whisper loudly. We fight better together but it must be brought into the light and exposed. And as we do, we disarm the devil and we begin to silence those whispers. It's time by the grace of God to take a step in crippling the fear that has been crippling us. Come and seek your refuge and freedom in the fear of the Lord, in Christ in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, honest before you, Lord, I think my biggest concern, not fear, but concern, is that this message could come across as get over it, stop being anxious, you just need to quit. Because as long as we live in this broken world, and we carry our struggles with us because we're not perfected yet, we're not in heaven yet. We wear, we wear Christ's righteousness, we are accepted, we are loved in the beloved, but we have our daily battles and we're in a war. Life is a war. Lord, I would ache if someone heard, just 
get over it. Just stop it. Because sanctification is a process. And Lord, maybe there's someone here that has become convinced that they're the only one that nobody else would understand and has beaten this person down with shame and guilt, which can lead to some unhealthy places to try to find relief. God, I pray. Spirit of God, move in hearts. Help us to see Jesus and understand his love and help us to understand that we have a great high priest who empathizes, who cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who faced down that sense and who understands and welcomes. Lord God, invite us to the throne of grace. And Lord, speak over any error or any weak thoughts that I've presented this morning. Glorify your name. Lord, show us your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing a closing song together? Jesus, your name. Jesus, your name is power. Oh, Jesus, your name is might. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. And Jesus, your name is healing. Jesus, your name gives sight. Jesus, your name will free every captive. Jesus, your name is life. Sing, Jesus, your name is holy. Jesus, your name brings light. Jesus, your name above every other. Jesus, your name is light. And Jesus, your name above every other. Jesus, your Be seated for just a minute, please. Thank you, Fred. Um, my name is Mike Swanson. I'm one of the members of staff here. I just have a couple of things I want to draw your attention to before we're dismissed. You know, each week we put out information about different things in a number of ways. We send things out email. Uh, we put things in the bulletin. We um, uh, have a Wednesday publication that we, we push out as well. If you fear that you may not be getting some of those things, uh, please let one of us on staff know and we'll make sure we get you included in that. See. Pam or Laura or myself, any of us, and just make us aware of that and we'll get you included in that so you don't have the fear of missing out. Uh, but there are a number of things in the bulletin this week, two of which I want to draw your attention to this morning before we leave. First, the Iwana Grand Prix is coming up in just a few weeks at the end of the month. Um, it'll be on February 24th at Morris Hill Baptist Church. And uh, the car kits are now available. If you go to the children's check-in for a, a mere $5, you can acquire one of those. We have some different events set up and some times when Paul Snyder and others 
will be there to help you cut out the car shapes if you don't have those tools at home. Uh, they'll have a couple of times where you can get together and uh, avail yourself of some of those tools and have others that can help you with that. So we want to make you aware of that and there'll be some additional details uh, coming soon, but some of that is in today's bulletin. And then finally, um, Shelby Next. If I say Shelby Next, do any, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, Shelby Next is our membership um, software. We, um, we have names, addresses, phone numbers, and things that we have on people who are members here at Grace. And you, there's an app that you can use to find out that information, to keep that information up to date on our behalf. And we would really like many of you to help us out by doing that. So if you don't already use Shelby Next, Pam and Laura will be in this little side hallway out near uh, the children's check-in this morning uh, during the next hour or so. And if you want to get information on how to uh, get your password back that you cannot remember or to get on to this software for the first time or download the app, any of those things, uh, Laura and Pam will be able to help you with that. It'd be a tremendous help to us if you would keep that information up to date and, and help us by getting that in there. So uh, please see them or contact the church office at another time if you uh, can do that. I think that is all. And with that, you are dismissed. <laughs>